They'll help you out in good times. Like they're your fair weather friend. It's just like a banker who always gives you a loan when you don't need it. But if you get in trouble or something goes wrong, they will shut you down so fast. The larger accounts, they're shut down faster than the little guys. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Greetings from my aunt-in-law's sofa here in Shenyang, China. October, as expected, off to a busy month and a golden week last week has wrapped up. And Monday is also a holiday in Hong Kong for remembering your ancestors. And also Monday in America for Columbus Day. Seems like there was just lots of holidays here in the beginning of October. And now it's going to be off to a roaring Q4, fourth quarter, I will be heading to DCBKK in Bangkok on Tuesday while this show is going live. And so if you're tuning in right away, you'll think of me on this airplane going Hong Kong to Bangkok. There is tons more events all October from beginning to end, and I'm going to be busy at a lot of them. So if you want to check out the schedules and make sure you see all the opportunities, go to globalfromasia.com slash Canton Fair. And there's many for you to check out in Hong Kong, Guangzhou, and uh, I think some in Shenzhen. Okay, so now for this week's show, we have Cynthia Stein, who was introduced to me by Peter Zaff of Global Sources, and uh, we were at the Yangbu Group Amazon Seller Conference in Shenzhen in late August, which was that massive 2000 Chinese seller group conference, and uh, also... Makes you remember Global Sources is having an amazing second Smart China Sourcing Summit conference next week. I'll be going there directly from Bangkok. Tickets might be sold out, but if you want to check that out, you can also check our Canton Fair page for the link to that event. And of course, if you're in Hong Kong on October 21st, Friday, we have our second cross-border trip. This time it's going to be on selling into Chinese e-commerce via a Hong Kong company or a foreign company. And as you can get all the details globalformasia.com slash hktrip. It's going to be lots of networking and learning. Okay, now back to Cynthia. She is the go-to person for Amazon seller prevention and reinstatement. And she's took and taken her first trip to China where we met in person to do this podcast. She was a great speaker at the Yangbo Group Conference. And she is noticing a lot of her clients are Chinese sellers. She, she came out here to talk to them firsthand. And the, uh, the, you know, the growth of sellers in China has been going astronomical in Amazon. She talks about that and we kind of get into some fun details. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Global from Asia podcast. We're here in Shenzhen, China with Cynthia. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Sure. So yeah, we had a great conference yesterday. I was lucky enough to to attend and, and you spoke and you're, you're the go-to person for account suspensions, is that? Yes, definitely, especially in the United States and on the UK platforms. That's my company, eGrowth Partners. That's what we do is we help sellers get back to work. So if they get suspended or one of their valuable ASINs, you know, their listings get suspended, we help them get it back and uh, get back to work. We also work with sellers to understand what Amazon is telling them and why Amazon might have shut them down because a lot of them don't really understand what happened exactly. And so even if they get back on the platform, if they don't know what they did wrong, they're just going to do it again. So that's part of what we do is really help them 
understand, and then they can decide what they want to do. But we try to help them understand what Amazon wants. Sure. So we were talking before the recording, and you're here, and this is your first time to China? Yes, it's my first time in China, and it's very exciting. I'm having a great time. Um, it's a very overwhelming uh I didn't know what to expect, but I'm thrilled to be here and meet with so many Chinese sellers. You know, when when Amazon opened up China and allowed them to start selling on the, the U.S. and U.K. platforms, they were absolutely unprepared for how many sellers would would sign up. And so they were literally getting thousands a week, and they had to keep shutting down the applications because they couldn't deal with them. Anyway, that's that's what they did is they said, oh my gosh, you know, we, we have this huge just wave after wave of Chinese sellers signing up. And the thing is, Amazon being unprepared didn't have anything to really help the sellers. Like in the U.S., a lot of sellers were brought on board the, the U.S. platform by Amazon employees. There is a lot of information and training and there is some help that Amazon gives its sellers on the U.S. platform that isn't really helpful to the Chinese because either they don't understand it or they can't read it very well and it is a lot of material and so um, they're they're selling like crazy I mean the average Chinese seller is way bigger than the average American seller which I know would be a surprise to mm-hmm, a lot of the Chinese mm-hmm. sellers and um, and yet you know they're like going and blowing full speed and they don't really have help they don't understand what they might be doing wrong and so when they get shut down they're just completely uh, bewildered a lot wow. of the times. Do you remember when they opened? Because I, I, I've been here for a while, and I remember when they used to have to, Chinese were always opening up U.S. companies and going through like waiting, you know, getting U.S. bank accounts. Do we? Do you remember when? Um, I don't want to put you in a spot, but I I don't remember exactly when they did it, um, but it is fairly recent, and mm. and so it's you know a lot of sellers that I see here um, that I'm meeting they've maybe been selling for a year or two and they're you know fairly new but like I said they're they're very high volume so it makes it for a fascinating marketplace and I came over here from the US because I want to help sellers I mean that's part of what we do in the US but I realized that there's a huge need here for someone who can sort of translate Amazon. You know, this is what Amazon means when they say this. Exactly. Like uh, we have a WeChat group that's pretty massive. It's hitting the max at 500 people. And uh, some of them are pasting in their emails they get from seller support. Um, and they're asking, what does this mean? Because like, it's true, right? If you don't, if you're not a native English speaker and you get this scary looking long email from Amazon. And I will tell you, the the English speakers don't understand them either. So that's the thing. That's where my business got started was because they'll get this and I'll be like, well, what does that mean? Like if they say, if Amazon says, you know, you have product quality problems and uh, the complaint is used, sold as new. And the seller's like, well, I don't sell anything used. Everything I buy is new. It's not, they don't use clear language. They don't bother to explain. They just shut you down. And, um, and so, and that's why I wrote my book. So I wrote the book, Suspension Prevention. It came out just about a year ago, October of last year. And then to, when I came out to this conference, I had it translated into Chinese. So, but that's why I wrote the book because I wanted people to understand what, what all these terms meant, what Amazon meant, what Amazon was looking for. And, um, certainly in the United States, I'm really happy to say that a lot of sellers have been able to get themselves reinstated, uh, because they read my book. And so that's what I'm hoping will happen here as well. Um, I gave away a lot of free copies yesterday. Yeah, I saw. And, um, and so hopefully that will help people and it'll, you know, get around and, 
I know it will. <laughs> sure. I mean, again, I talk about this WeChat group is still living after the event, and they're 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 talking about it. So I've seen some some of them saying stuff. Well, and they had to create multiple WeChat groups because there was such a huge demand, you know, and the group filled up, like you said. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think uh, Noah Hirschman, who brought yep, me out yep. as part of Yangbo. Um, he's going to be busy, busy yeah. managing these groups. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like definitely a full time job now for mm-hmm. the for us in China's WeChat marketing and community management. Maybe is the is the word. Yeah. So um, you know, I think there's you mentioned ASIN, which of course any Amazon seller would know is the Amazon ID number like SKU. Right. So maybe there's different ways of suspension, right? So could they have just their pro would, could it just be a product suspension or a full account suspension? Is there different types? Yes. So, uh, ASIN or product suspension really has something to do with just that product, right? There's maybe something going on with just that product. And of course, an account suspension suspension is the whole thing. But the thing is, if you start to get a lot of the same kind of, like those first start by by suspending in, um, your listing. That's kind of where they start. And then if they see that they're still having the same problem or maybe you're having the same complaint across multiple products, that's when they'll they'll shut down your account because they'll figure you're not learning your lesson or you're not getting it or you have something systemically wrong with your business. And so they're like, oh, got to stop that until we figure out what's going on. So they look at all of these notices as something that the seller should be learning from and um, and doing something about. So just getting your listing back isn't good enough. You have to change your behavior. I understand. So, you know, your specialty is getting them reinstated. Maybe we can talk about a couple of different types of cases. Well, certainly. And um, since I've been here, uh, I've heard a lot of, you know, folks who've had trouble with copyright infringement. And um, this is big all over the all over the world. It's not just China, but you know we've seen a lot of these in the U.S. And there's, I would say, there's several kinds. So there's what we call sort of legitimate copyright infringement. The brand owner says, "Hey, you know, I own that. You can't, you know, you're infringing on my copyright. You can't sell it without my permission, or you're using my name without my permission." And it's really about, you know, as infringement would imply, it's about your sort of. Um, uh, cutting in on their action, right? And so usually, not always, but usually in those cases, if you agree to stop, you know, a cease and desist, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get back to selling again, right? And you can't sell that product anymore, okay, but you can get back to work, right, and sell your other products. That's kind of the easiest. And then the other issue that I see, though, is where we've seen all kinds of tactics where people use it as a tool, so you and I would think that the Chinese would understand this better than anybody because they're very creative sellers. Is that you know they say, oh well, you know what? I'm going to take down you know my competitors basically by claiming copyright infringement, and you know they file either a false claim, which is a, a real problem, or they file um, they file a claim. Um, like like there's several there's packs of lawyers out there um, who who will file these claims on behalf of brands they don't even represent. Because what they do is they extort you for money. And so they say, basically, you pay me this money and I'll go away. Um, so that's one tactic that we've seen. And then, like I said, another one would be maybe a competitor would, would file a claim. Amazon would accept it, but it's a completely bogus claim. It's not by bogus. I mean, it's not real. They just made it up. And those are my favorites. 
because those are the easiest to get rid of. Um, <laughs> and um, But basically, in the case of a, a copyright infringement, you may need uh, an intellectual property attorney. And I represent one, I mean, I recommend one from the U.S. Um, who really understands. And so I have a good attorney that I work with, and when my clients need that help, I bring him in um, because it's such a specialized field. But also if people are creating their own brand and they want to protect it. But basically, you know, those are the three kinds of copyright infringements. And I've, I've seen a lot of them. I remember one guy, um, the product that the, he, the product, he shut down a whole bunch of little kitchen gadgets. These would be things that, I don't know, they were just little gadgety things that you would have in a drawer and they all do specialized things. And he didn't just shut down my client. He shut down a whole bunch of different brand or, you know, sellers on different products. These are little, you know, $12 gadgets, whatever. So we, and he claimed that it, the, that our products violated a design patent. And I'm like, a design patent? And so when we looked into it, we realized he was completely wrong. And it was, you know, he was just filing it to get rid of his competitors. So we were able to make a case to Amazon, and we said, look, this is bogus. Um, we can prove it. And we've been selling our products since long before he filed any paperwork. And so, you know, we're not violating his, you know, his case, right? And and then at the same time that the lawyer had written up this letter, and it was all scary looking, I also filed a policy violation at the same time against that other seller. Mm. And so the next morning when we woke up, uh, not only was the, the problem gone away, but also um, the other seller who had filed this claim, he was suspended. Oh. So that's the thing. Don't, don't mess around if you're going to be doing that. This is not a good tactic because if someone like me comes along, I can get you suspended. Um, but also what was funny about that. So my client says to me the night before when we're submitting all this stuff, he says, so if we get back on this uh, product, will all of our competitors on this product get back too? And I'm like, well, yes, you know, because our strategy was that he lied. And so, yes, all of your competitors who were also selling on this listing will now get back on. He's like, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, sellers are very competitive. Yeah, I know. They're always afraid to to share what they're selling when we talk to them on the show or other places. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know some friends, like, I won't disclose their names, but sometimes they miss, let me think that they didn't know, but say they have a copyrighted product that they bought in China and mm-hmm. then they started selling and it's selling and nobody knows, but they bought like a thousand pieces and then they realize later that they're violating a copyright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they ask maybe in me or in a WeChat group, what should they do? Should they stop selling it or should they wait to get uh, caught? I mean, maybe they won't reorder the product, but they've already sunk that money into that product. It's it's definitely a risk assessment, okay? So um, you're taking a risk if you don't stop selling it, right? Uh, but for some people, you know, they're adventurous and they'll take the risk. But the safest thing, um, of course, would be to not sell it. Uh, once you realize that, you know, and I, I would say this not only is about copyright infringement, but this is about uh, inauthentic and knockoff products. So if you if you buy something and you realize later, oh my gosh, I bought that from someone who was not authorized to sell it to me. Like I had a seller yesterday talk to me about how she was selling product in the UK that was not authorized for the UK. Hmm. And the different marketplaces have different rules, largely because of regulation. So like there's products you can sell 
in the U.S. that you can't sell in the U.K. because of the ingredients. Because in the U.K., they're like, oh, no, we, we, we don't accept ingredient X, right? And there's things like that. So there's a whole bunch. It's a big mess. There's a whole bunch of regulations. And, and so a lot of times, I mean, literally, you, there are products you can't. And I'm even talking about clothing that you cannot sell in one marketplace because of their rules. Mm. And so she was selling um, uh, fashion, but the problem with the fashion was that it was indeed, there were ingredients in the buttons and things like that. There's lead in the buttons. And there was things like that that, that are not allowed. And um, and so she wasn't allowed to sell it in the, U- in the UK, but she was selling it in the UK. And she did not understand you know, that what she did was wrong. And I was trying to explain to her, you bought from the gray market. Right, that's the gray market. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not the black market. It's not like you committed a crime, but your product is not authentic. You can't sell it in the UK. And she kept trying to argue with me. I'm yeah. like, no, you can't sell it in the UK. I can see this conversation. Yes, you've probably seen it before, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but I mean, again, that's something. You know, again, she didn't really understand that. I mean, and that's that's the challenge I see for sellers in China because they don't they don't understand that world. The, you know, all these regulations or all these rules and rules that have real consequences in other countries that don't have any consequences here. And so it's hard to get all fussed about it, right? Because you're like, they're not going to come sue me in China. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but they might lose their account. So I try to help people understand that if you want to keep your Amazon account, that's what you should focus on. I mean, you may think the rules and the regulations are stupid, but you need to think about keeping your account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into multiple account strategy, but sometimes these, sometimes the sellers here or anywhere have somehow gotten more than one account. But well, we we have that in the U.S. too, and it is of course against Amazon policy. But they have to catch you first. And so the way it works right now, and it's not a crime, right? You know, Amazon's not going to sue you or come after you, but they're going to shut you down. Mm-hmm. So again, so people have a lot of incentive to keep following this behavior. The way it works today, if you could have, you and I, we could have a thousand counts right now, and we would not get caught by Amazon until one of them got suspended. And then once one of them got suspended... Amazon, I call it the trace. Um, I don't know what it really is, but what they do is their little algorithm or their robots go and they start looking for other accounts. And this trace is on you for the rest of your career. Mm. So um, anytime you try to open an account, even if it's like 10 years from now, they will shut you down usually within a, uh, a week or two. They find you. Now, that being said, so a lot of people think, oh, I'm getting away with it. I'm having all these accounts. It's great. They're not getting away with anything. It's just they didn't realize that Amazon wasn't looking, right, once they start looking. So what's about to change, this is as of last week, I was talking to someone at Amazon about this. They're going to start proactively putting the trace on everybody. So they're starting to look for the multiple accounts. And wow. they they have, now this is, this is all I know because they, it's, all very proprietary, so they're not going to give me details. Um, but they have about 28 ways that they they link accounts. So, of course, IP and all of that, that's very obvious. But that, what is that? One, two, three, you know, the mm-hmm, top three mm-hmm. reasons, email, IP. But aside from that, they have a whole bunch of other ways that they link accounts. And so um, people get caught, and they're like, how did they find me? 
And um, I don't know. I just know that Amazon's really good at it. So uh, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a lot of accounts go down in the next few months um, because Amazon has started implementing this new strategy of getting rid of these multiple accounts. And so people will either have to get smarter or they'll have to stop doing that. Because Amazon doesn't want them to do that. They want them to have one account, or if they have multiples, to actually get permission from Amazon first. <laughs> first. Not later. Yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you, this is not a Chinese thing. Okay. I have accounts all over the world that they do this. They look at it as a plan B. Like, I should have multiple accounts in case one goes down. And I'm like, the fallacy of that argument is that when Amazon starts looking, then they find the second account, they're going to shut it down, and they're going to be mad because you broke the rules again. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I do understand that you know people are afraid to have everything invested in. You know, it's scarier inside Amazon's world. You know, before you know, with the web or eBay, there was eBay also didn't like multiple accounts and right. and websites. You know, Google doesn't like you know you to try to have multiple websites and they're you. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, they might know or they try to figure out if you have multiple websites, but you know, entrepreneurs or business owners want to. Well, you know. and it's it's what I call creative. You know, I mentioned this in my presentation yeah, yesterday that I like that. I like that. that um, you know, my clients are some of the most creative business people you'll ever meet. Um, they're smart. They're creative. They're driven. They always think about a way to kind of get around the system or whatever. And the thing is, you know, Amazon doesn't appreciate that creativity at all. <laughs> Because they are all about compliance, conformity, and they want a completely consistent experience for the buyer day in, day out, all the time. And so they don't like creativity, which is unfortunate. But uh, anyway, yes, of course, that's that's business. You do. You always try to get that edge, push the envelope. And um, the Chinese are, are great at it, but it's just not going to do them well with Amazon. Got it. Cool. So, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, I think entrepreneurs or business owners are creative and trying to, well, we think we're protecting ourselves by having multiple, mm-hmm. multiple accounts or multiple products or businesses. I mean, we well, can have multiple companies. Well, and if you can do it without getting caught, it absolutely is a good strategy. And, um, and for multiple reasons, not only because you have a plan B, but also because the bigger you are, the bigger liability you are to Amazon. So again, some guy who's selling, you know, 10 or 15,000 a month on Amazon, you know, he's not a liability to Amazon. And if something goes wrong, you know, with his product or whatever, their, their liability is very small. Right. But you have somebody who's selling, you know, let's take like an anchor who we saw yesterday. Yep. They're selling about 35, 40 million a month on Amazon. So Amazon's liability with them is really high. And so let's just say they had a really wildly defective product like hoverboards that caused, <laughs> that, that exploded, right? Yeah. Or, or that caused things to catch on fire. Then their liability would be huge with a, let's, I mean, not that. Anchor would do this. But let's just pretend Anchor, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. accidentally sold a, an exploding hoverboard. You know, the liability would be absolutely huge. And so the bigger accounts, this is the ironic thing, the bigger accounts are looked at even more closely than kind of the small to middle size accounts. And so that's why you will also see some sellers who will have multiple accounts because they're breaking out their volume among multiple accounts. So they don't, they're trying to stay below Amazon's, you know, wait, you're scary radar. And so it's just the opposite of what people think. Like people think, oh, if I'm bigger, I'm going to get like privileges and Amazon's going to love me because I'm such a big seller and they're going to help me out. And, you know, it's like, well, they'll help you out in good times. Like they're your fair weather friend. It's just like a banker who always gives you a loan when you don't need it. But if you 
get in trouble or something goes wrong, they will shut you down so fast. The larger accounts are sometimes more, um, they're shut down faster than the little guys. Got it. Okay. So I know you're really busy and you know, you only got a couple of days here. So we're, we're getting towards the end of our interview. Maybe a question. How can people, of course, there's your service. Do you have, is there being proactive or reactive and how can you be more proactive to make sure, you know, rather than losing sleep at night that you're one Amazon account might one step away. Yeah. Yeah. I have two sets of services. So I have what I call kind of the emergency urgent services. And these are for people who've been suspended or lost a really valuable listing and they want it back right now. Right. And so of course we do a lot of crisis work, but I also have preventative services where I try to help sellers see what's going on in their account, fix problems before Amazon finds them. Like I'm very conservative. I'll say, Oh, look, you know, you have this listing and it's starting to get a lot of product quality complaints and people are returning this product at a higher rate and, you know, things like that. So I help, I help sellers kind of analyze the problems maybe. Most of the time it works before Amazon does so that they can fix it, fix the problem and stay off of Amazon's radar. So that's, that's kind of what I do. So if you look at what I do, I kind of split between preventative and of course crisis. Got it. And then how can they find you online? Well, I think probably the easiest way to find me is through Yangbo, uh, the Yangbo group with Noah Hirschman. Um, and, uh, you can just, you know, reach him on WeChat or whatever, because, um, of course I have a U.S. office and I have a U.S. website and people are welcome to find me there, uh, egrowthpartners.com. But Yangbo Group is also my team here in China. And so they, they can answer the phone. They have people who speak Chinese. Right. Um, and of course they're in the same time zone. So, uh, Dallas is 13 hours behind me and it gets screwy, right? Yeah. So, the time, the jet lag too is tough. Yeah. So I'm, I, of course, I mean, and we already have Chinese clients in our database. That's part of why we wanted to come out here. Great. Um, but this way, by having an office here in Shenzhen, I think that we can really help serve this, um, you know, this community better. Definitely. And, uh, it's, it's definitely growing. And so thank you so much, Cynthia, for coming on and enjoy your one more day, right? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, we'll enjoy leave it tomorrow. Enjoy it. Thank right. you. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, enough of the Chinese soap operas. Uh, okay. And uh, still here in Shenyang. Just hope you enjoyed that interview with Cynthia. Thank you so much for your time and expertise. That was a fun one. And I always like doing a podcast in person when I can. I got some gear invested that I learned from Dan Andrews at Tropical MBA. And, you know, so I'm investing in it, but I love podcasts. And some more investments I'm making is finally going to get a logo for a Global from Asia and a new podcast artwork you will notice on the website and hopefully soon on the podcast you will see the artwork i shout out again to damian Roos. he made the first one that i've used since day one totally free hookup and he just kind of couldn't stand the one he saw me posting on instagram so thanks for that damian but we have them um, kind of like a whole new brand we're rolling out and uh, i'd love feedback from everybody so if you want to shoot me a note at mike at globalfromasia.com i'd love to hear what you think one of my friends, uh, Chris Gormley, thought it was horrible, but uh, if you're listening, Chris, I still think it's pretty cool and other people liked it. So, um, you know, but if you think it's horrible, I, just let me know. I, I take all feedback uh, critically and uh, I listen to it. So um, enjoy the rest of your week. And also, if you want to see me live streaming, I've done, this will be my third one this Thursday, live talk every Thursday at 9 p.m. Hong Kong time. I'm going to try to do that every week on Facebook Live and Weibo Live, or maybe other platforms. I trust I'll 
Huzza, but um, still kind of figuring this whole thing out. And this one's going to be fun from Bangkok, Thailand at the DCBKK event. I'm going to have some friends that have been on the show and others to go there. And then last but not least, don't forget about our Hong Kong business trip on Friday, October 21st. It's uh, taken a lot of time to put this together and there's about six or seven speakers. we got a lot of networking, a few different phases. Shout out to a lot of different Chris's. I have a lot of Chris friends. Chris Davey getting a word out in the Amazon group and telling friends. And Chris Moore for helping out with Flowship and everybody else. It's just been fun to get this community together. And I hope to catch you on October 21st, globalformasia.com slash HKTrip. That's all I got today, guys. And uh, enjoy your travels and enjoy your trade shows and enjoy your business and keep on staying positive and rocking. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.